0: Today's scripture reading comes from Luke, chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. It's printed in the bulletin if you'd like to follow along. One day, Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today.
1: I was hoping that we might hear baby Hannah try the reading, but I guess not. I guess not. Okay, let's say a word of prayer together. God, thank you for this chance to hear this story, see this story. In fact, We pray that we would see you, see with the eyes of our hearts, and that we'd be able to see more of Jesus. God, we're a people in this room that are coming from a wide range of different places. Some of us walking with you for many years, others brand new, not even knowing where to start. We pray that you would give each of us individual and specific help. Only you can do that. Weaving through our hearts and our lives, addressing each of us in some unique way. And I do pray that each of us at the end of today would be able to say, God was surely here. God met me here. So we're looking forward to how you're going to do that. You've already started it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're looking at sidewalk encounters with Jesus, different incidents in the New Testament, Where ordinary people like you and me bump into Jesus, seeing how they respond to him, seeing the things that he did, things that he said to them. Sometimes it surprises us. Sometimes there are things to learn about who he is. Well, today Jesus certainly was walking along a sidewalk at some point. But the story comes in as he's in a house, as he often was. Not only teaching, but also caring for people with compassion. Indeed, healing them of their sicknesses and diseases. I mean, you could just imagine yourself being in the neighborhood and you hear that Jesus, some kind of a strange teacher, some kind of a miracle worker, someone that's making bold and wild claims about who he is and how you can have a new relationship with God. You hear he's in a house on Columbia Road. He's helping people in their desperation. He's showing them compassion. He's teaching them about God's intent to heal this wounded world. And you look at yourself and you think, maybe I could use a little bit of help too. Because you know your feet haven't been working for a long, long time. And your hands either. They say you're paralyzed, but you don't really know how to describe it because it goes much deeper than just physical paralysis. It feels more like a paralysis of the mind and heart. Just being so helpless, not able to move around without asking for help, not able to do the things that you dreamed about doing, about the things that you see other people doing. Here you are, a man in need of help. And maybe some of you here today feel like him, feel like that, weak, vulnerable. You know, sometimes we're not so different from him, this character in the story. Sometimes we're feeling so weak that we need friends to carry us on a mat, on a stretcher to Jesus. Maybe that's why you're here today. Did you know that's what the church community is supposed to be all about? Carrying one another in our helplessness and vulnerability to Jesus. It's called community. Are you hungry for that? As friends carried this individual on a mat, sort of a a makeshift stretcher, They tried to take him into the house, but you know, the crowds have gotten so big, they couldn't even get into the front door, or the side door, or the back door. They tried, the story tells us, they couldn't make it in. So it's time for creative problem solving. So they went up onto the roof. Ancient Palestinian homes had staircases outside the home that circled around to the roof of the home. They tore open a hole into the thatch and clay roof. There was nothing neat and tidy about it. This is what love and trust and desperation will do to you, won't it? Do you feel that way today? And they slowly somehow lowered their dear friend, this paralyzed man, on his mat, right into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. So there you are looking up at him, almost afraid to hope that he might actually have something to do for you. What does he say? What do we see in that moment? And we encounter three things. We see a strange set of priorities. We see a trustworthy promise. And we hear an outrageous claim. Strange priorities, an outrageous claim, and a trustworthy promise. Let's take a look. This man finds himself in front of Jesus, and of all the things that Jesus could have said and done, what was it that he said? Friend, your sins are forgiven. That's like you getting hit by a car and running into the Upper Cardozo Health Clinic down the street. You're bleeding and the nurse says to you, your sins are forgiven. Are you kidding me? I mean, who said anything about sins? Aren't the needs presentable enough here? And what kind of screwed up Jedi kind of, now what's going on here moment is this? Jesus' focus here, right? Don't you want to say that? Is he being insensitive to this man's suffering? It almost seems like he doesn't even notice the man's broken body. Well, don't worry. Jesus shows him compassion. You heard the end of the story. The man was healed. But what is going on then? The past couple of days have been... An adventure-filled day in the Quan household. You met our baby boy. He's given us some good fun late at night, figuring out not only how to care for a newborn all over again, but how to do it with two kids in the house. But we also had the pleasure and joy of moving into a new home just this past Wednesday. Thank you to all of you who prayed, who cared, who supported us in the process We feel incredibly blessed, the home we have being a miracle of God's grace. I mean, literally a gift to us, one that we want to share with you, with this community, and with our neighbors. But we were in for some surprises in the past couple days as well. You see, uh, I was at work knowing that Paula was going to give our laundry machine a little run for the first time, try out the appliances. I get a frantic call from my wife saying, the washer is flooding, water spilling out onto the second floor all over the place. My mother-in-law, who's now taken off, probably running away from us now, putting her to work in the last couple of days, and Paula grabbing whatever towels and paper towels and whatever they could to mop up the floor, apparently the washer just spilling Tons of water onto the ground as we tried to just do a little bit of a wash load. I rush home to try to figure out what is going on. And as I get there, I'm trying to pretend like I know what I'm looking at. And all of a sudden, in the middle of that, I hear a shriek and a scream from the basement. My mother-in-law calling my name. By the way, this was right in the middle of that flash flood that we had a couple of days ago. Do you remember that? Thunder and lightning, the earth rumbling, and suddenly, as they say in scripture, the heavens opened up. A downpour that tested our gutter system and our drainage outside, which failed. Apparently, debris had cluttered up one of the drains and we had about a foot of water piled up outside the basement door, water leaking on the inside. To check it out, she opened up the door and suddenly we had the Potomac rushing into our basement. Water all over, us running around trying to salvage our stuff, get mops and get whatever we could to push it out of the house. Eventually, the water goes down, and we're wondering, is there any damage? Thankfully, no, there wasn't. We were able to take care of it as fast as possible. But you understand, as we were mopping away the basement floor with all this wash and water gushing in the house, I was not thinking about that laundry machine, I tell you. Because it was a matter of priorities. The greatest need and the greatest potential damage was what caught my attention. That's what needed to be addressed first. This river in my basement versus the trickle, which had its own threat to the home, upstairs in the laundry machine. Jesus was in the basement. He looks at a man who's in a terrible condition. We already acknowledge that. That was as clear as eyes could see. Jesus, with all the compassion that he had in his heart, we see it time and again, even weeping over people's suffering, even still looks right through this man's paralysis and he says to him, my dear friend, what you most need right now is the forgiveness of your sins. What is your deepest problem today? Some of you are thinking. Some of you are living your life lately saying to yourself, my greatest problem in life is that I need a job. And that is a big problem if it's a problem for you. Others of us are saying, my greatest problem, what I most need in life right now, is more money. Some of you are saying, what I most need is love. Others, my body is failing me. What I most need is relief. And don't get me wrong, those are real problems. And the God of the Bible cares about those Don't forget, he made the paralyzed man walk. But do you realize what Jesus is showing here is a strange set of priorities, strange to our normal way of thinking about our needs and our problems. That our greatest problem as human beings is our guilt before God. Our greatest problem is the prospect one day of having to stand before God and give an honest account of all our selfishness and sin. You see, Jesus is showing us that he knows the man's deepest need the river in the basement. And that's our need for forgiveness. Because we've got a disability of the heart. We've got a paralysis of the soul that Jesus came to heal. And understand when we're talking about forgiveness, it's not just God winks at what we've done. This is the doorway into a genuine relationship with God. Because we've offended him, we've even made ourselves enemies against him. Some of you say, How have I done that? I don't even know who God is. Don't you know that indifference is one of the greatest forms of hate? Is that a provocative way of putting it to you? One of the greatest ways we offend God is by living as if he didn't exist. Jesus says, this is your greatest problem, and I've come to heal all your needs, but let me start here. This is my priority. Let me forgive your sins. Now, you recognize that in saying this, Jesus was making an outrageous claim. He was claiming to be God. You know, a lot of people say, well, Jesus was a great moral teacher, but he never claimed to be God. And that's because a lot of us are looking for a place in the Bible where we can find Jesus saying, quote, I am God, the end. And you won't find such a quote from him. But if you understand what he's really saying and implying, And if you understand that in this ancient context, his listeners are telling us what they heard and what did they say. How did they respond? The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? They heard what he was claiming I mean, imagine you're in the middle of a, let's call it a dispute with your spouse or roommate, because that's the only kind of things you have, right? Not fights, disputes. Or maybe you really did wrong someone in your life, and you're talking it over with them. You're trying to heal wounds and move forward in your relationship. Maybe there were some nasty words, maybe even punches, And in the course of that conversation, you see me walk over to you and get right in the middle of both of you, and I turn to both of you and I say, I forgive you. (laughs) What if I did that? What if I said that? You would say, what in the name of Yoda are you talking about? You are not in this dispute. You were not the offended party here. But what if Jesus was? C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, which is very helpful for those of you that are asking big questions about faith and God, wrote this. Jesus told people that their sins were forgiven and never waited to consult all the other people whom their sins had undoubtedly injured. He unhesitatingly believed as if he was the party chiefly concerned, the person chiefly offended in all offenses. This makes sense only if he really was the God whose laws are broken and whose love is wounded in every sin. In the mouth of any speaker who is not God, these words would imply what I can only regard as a silliness and conceit unrivaled by any other character in history. Do you hear the outrageous claim? For those of you especially who are still wrestling with this question about whether or not Jesus even claimed to be fully human and fully God himself. Of course, him saying so doesn't in and of itself prove that he was. But you can't get away with saying he never made such a claim about his identity. But even more than that, if he truly was who he said he was, what you have is the greatest assurance that the promise that he makes to this man and to you might actually be true. That he really may be speaking out of the authority of God, the God who has the power to heal a paralyzed man, to heal physical ailments, to change this physical world, and even more than that, to address your deepest spiritual needs, the river in the basement. Do you know the forgiveness of God today? And when I say no, I don't just mean have you heard about it or did you consider it years ago? You see, for a lot of Christians and for maybe some of you, God's forgiveness can be sort of like a bouquet of roses on a bad date. Doesn't mean a thing to you, but you're pretty mad if you don't get it. Means nothing to your heart. Affects your life not at all. It's very easy to take for granted this precious gift of God. Forgiveness of your sins. Where God isn't just saying, oh, don't worry about it. You know, sometimes we want God just to wink at our problems and our sins. But, dear friends, you and I both know if that's all it was, it's not satisfying to our hearts. We long for God to quench the wrong, to remove it, to give us love and favor, not just, don't worry about it. Just, you know, don't worry about it. Forgiveness is God taking the moral punishment that you and I deserve. Which is exactly what happens on the cross. We talked about Jesus' identity not only as a human being historically walked on this earth, lived the life that you and I live in so many different ways just like you and me, Not only a human being, however, also fully God. And the reason why this is so significant is that so he would be God himself walking in our shoes as an adequate representative of you and me. So that he could actually stand in our place before the throne of justice in heaven and say, all that he did, pointing at me. All that he's thought that was offensive to you, God. All that he's ever desired. Every twisted motive of his heart. Every selfish thing in his body, in his life. Every part of who he is. All the consequences of his sin. Place it on me instead of him. Where Jesus makes this appeal to God himself, God the Father, and says, Judge me that your judgment might flow to them as forgiveness. Jesus carries us in our helplessness to the Father. Jesus takes our place, takes the judgment that you and I deserve for our forgiveness. For some of you, there's that one thing. That one thing. It's always on your mind. Especially it comes to mind whenever someone talks about sin and forgiveness. Maybe it's on your mind right now. There's that one thing. Maybe it's that one time you really screwed up. And you're not sure God will ever look at you the same because you're sure as heck convinced that you'll never look at yourself the same. Or it's that one habit, and you feel like you've already used up your share of God's mercy, that there can't be any left for you. Dear friends, it's very simple. It's powerfully simple. You embrace Jesus, God forgives you. And we have promise after promise after promise throughout the Bible that reassures us of this very thing. Psalm 103, verse 12, maybe you need to write this down. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. You know, if you travel north and you're moving around the globe, at some point as you travel north, you're going to eventually start traveling south, aren't you? Or if you travel south at some point, you're going to come to an end of south and you're going to start circling back around and heading north all over again. Do you understand the greatness of this figure of speech that we're given here? If you head east... You can circle around the world a thousand times, and you are still heading east. And if you move west, where are we here? West, (laughs) you can circle around the globe 10,000 times, and you will always be moving west. So here we go. As far as the west is from the east, and if you move this way and I move that way, as far as that goes on on and on to infinity, that's how far God has removed all of your selfish thoughts, motives, and deeds, and desires from his thoughts, from his heart, from his throne of judgment against you. It doesn't factor into the equation of how He treats you. In fact, He pours Himself out upon you in love. 1 Corinthians 6.11 But you were washed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. you feeling filthy today, dear friends. You are clean. In Jesus, Once and for all, as it says in Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Have you encountered this Savior before? Or have you encountered Him lately in a way where you deeply bring all of your helplessness and all of your desperation to Him. Like a paralytic on a stretcher, you come to Him and say, I can't fix myself. I can't heal myself. And I certainly can't forgive myself. Not in a way that sets me free. Not in a way that atones for all of my wrongs. Can you come to Him and hear Him say to you, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Friend, your sins are forgiven. And to know that he says it with the authority not of feelings or wishful thinking. Or well, I think I'm forgiven because I feel forgiven. No. Or I think I'm forgiven by God because, well, I, I think I am. No but where Jesus says it with the authority of God. Friend, your sins are forgiven. Have you heard the voice of Jesus saying that to you lately? Some of you may feel hardened to God these days. Maybe you just feel tired out. Some of you have not experienced joy in the gospel in a long, long time. Some of you, not one ounce of joy maybe your entire life. Some of you feel like you live in shackles, in prison, emotionally, mentally, enslaved to the things of life, no sense of freedom. Have you heard God say to you, Jesus say to you recently, friend, your sin's are forgiven. And maybe, just maybe, today, like the man on the mat, maybe you too will go home praising God. And all those around you, together with you, might be amazed, giving praise to God, and filled with awe and saying, we have seen remarkable things today. Don't you want that? whether for the first time or for a fresh time. Friend, your sins are forgiven in Jesus. Let's pray. What an incredible word, a promise that we want to believe, that we want to give our lives to. So Jesus, thank you so much. For being this sort of Savior, full of compassion, full of love, full of surprises. Would you pray that you would surprise us again with the grace of God, with the forgiveness of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.